All right, so that was a good little recap of what we've been talking about in the Exodus series. If you just joined us when we were talking through Exodus, we've been talking about how that story is our story. We're going to continue on uh, through there and the next few chapters, but first, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a, a story. Um, first of all, hi, I'm Justin. What's up, guys? Um, I spent a lot of time with the middle schoolers, so bless me. Um, but I don't get to spend a lot of time with you guys, so some of you may not have met me yet. A little bit ago, I got a new car, and this story is what happened last Thursday. I had this car for a week. Um, it's, it's been great, loving it, driving it around. Um, and then in a left-hand turn lane at a stoplight, cruising in, and it sputters out, sputters out, and stops. Normally when a car breaks down, at least in my experience, there's loud noises and smoke and flashing lights and craziness going on. This, it's not really how mine happened. It just sputtered out and stopped. None of the lights were on. The gas gauge said I had plenty of gas. Nothing was telling me it was going to break down. But it did, and I did have to get it towed. Um, while I was thinking about it, I, I did the mental math in my head, the miles I had gone, and it's kind of embarrassing. I actually ran out of gas. It told me that I had plenty, but in actuality, I had none, and I couldn't even get to work. So that was fun. Uh, to give you guys a little better idea of what I'm talking about, I actually have a, a video of it so that you guys can see. Make a right turn. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. It means bear right. No. Up there. It said right. It said take a right. No, 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 no. Look, it, it means go up to the right, bear right over the bridge, and hook up with 307. Make a right Maybe it's turn. a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's look, a lake there. I think it knows where it is going. This is the, the lake. machine knows. This is the lake. Stop yelling at me. No, it's not the lake. There's no lake here. <laughs> so obviously that wasn't actually me, and that wasn't my car going to a lake. I did break down. I did run out of gas, embarrassingly. Um, but I wanted to play that video, one, because I think it's funny, but it will connect into <laughs> what I'm talking about tonight. If you guys have seen The Office, you know that's Michael Scott. <laughs> okay, you clapping for me or Michael Scott? Don't answer that. Um, I do want you to answer this. Was Michael Scott being an obedient follower? Yes. <laughs> yeah, drove his car into a lake just because the GPS told him to be. He was being extremely obedient. But was he looking at the signs and listening to the right source? When my car broke down and the gas gauge said I had gas, was, I was looking at these signs, but I was, but I was really listening to the right source. What I'm going to talk about tonight, and this is the point I want you to remember, is to trust God is to be obedient to what he says. We're going to look at that as we continue in through our story in Exodus. We've been talking about how the Israelites, God's chosen people, have been in slavery and God's promise to bring them out of that. The horrible rule of Pharaoh. And God's going to use ten plagues, if you have read the story of Exodus before, to bring them out. We're going to talk through the first five tonight. But that means that we're going to go through a lot of scripture really quickly, kind of get a bird's eye view of what's going on in Exodus 7, 8, and 9. We're going to start with that first plague. 
plague of blood. Exodus 7, 14, the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let people go. We've been seeing Pharaoh through these stories, and we know that he's not a great guy. His heart is unyielding. When he sees these people suffering, he doesn't care, and he refuses to let them go. And we see in verse 19, this first plague, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch your hand out over the waters. And he made the Nile River turn to blood. Blood's kind of gross. A whole river of it's even grosser. This big sign of God trying to get Pharaoh's attention to cue him into what God's will and what he wanted him to do. And when Pharaoh sees that sign, instead of listening to it, he does something different. Verse 22 tells us that he brought in his magicians, his sorcerers, and they did the same thing, and they were able to make water turn into blood through whatever they had going on. And Pharaoh's heart, again, was hardened. He saw this sign from God and decided to do it his own way. And he hardened his heart. The second plague, the plague of the frogs, seven days after that, a week later, God's sending another big sign to cue Pharaoh into what he wants him to do. Again, Moses tells Aaron, and they stretch a hand out, and frogs are everywhere. These aren't cute little tree frogs. These are gross frogs, and they are everywhere. Verse 3, the Nile will team, and they will fill up your palace, your bedroom, onto your bed. Gross. I don't want frogs in my bed. This is just something that freaks me out. Don't like it. Nasty. It's a big thing. Not only is this happening in Pharaoh's palace, but throughout all of Egypt, this big sign is happening. And then it tells us in 8 that he did the same thing. Uh, They did their secret arts, and they also made frogs come out of Egypt. And again, Pharaoh tried to do it his way and hardened his heart. And then comes the, the plague of the gnats, those small little flying insects that are gross, and I hate them. Um, it says that the dust will become gnats in verse 16. When you think about Egypt, it being a desert, there's a lot of dust in the desert, and all of that became gnats. I think they're disgusting. Uh, the plague of the flies, verse 22 The houses of Egyptians will be full of flies. I hate it when one fly gets on my food, when one fly is in my way and annoying me. A house full of flies, not only in Pharaoh's personal house, but all over Egypt. These are big, huge signs of God trying to get Pharaoh's attention and cue him in to what God's will is. But every time, through all of these plagues, these first five plagues, Pharaoh's hardening his heart. Not only is he missing what God wants to tell him, but he's turning away from it, turning his back and trying to do things his own way. And the other plague being the, the plague of the livestock, um, killing off all the, the cute little camels and sheep and goats are all going to die. But verse 4 tells us that all the animals belonging to the Israelites will not die. That God's fulfilling his promise that he made earlier to bring them out of slavery, 
to free them from what's going on. And he's fulfilling those promises by wrecking the Egyptians. And the Israelites are doing just fine for themselves. What I want you to think about is it's easy to go through Exodus, to go through this story and think about yourself as being the hero, the protagonist, being the, the good guy in the story. And you always see it through Moses. But for this small part, I want you to think about your life through the lens of Pharaoh. What is God trying to tell you? What is he trying to get your attention for? How is he trying to get your attention to show you what his will is? What are these signs in your life? And are you missing them? Are you turning away? A lot of times we'll, we'll hear or we feel a certain way like God's trying to point us in a certain direction, but it makes us uncomfortable. We don't like what God's trying to say. And we say, oh, that's not, that's not what God's trying to tell me. God's sending people into your lives and uh, sending these signs to tell you. We think it's uncomfortable. Your small group leader, Pastor Caleb, telling you, hey, invite people to church. Sit with different people at lunch. Be willing to tell people about Jesus, but that makes you uncomfortable. You're like, ah, no, I don't, want, I don't really want to do that. But to trust God is to be obedient to what he says. Now I want to backtrack and look at things through Moses' lens. We're going to go all the way back to chapter 6. And right at the end of chapter 6, as it flows into chapter 7, it says this in verse 28. Now when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, he said to him, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, everything I tell you. But Moses said to the Lord, Since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? What could I do? How could God use me? For some of you, you're at the point where Pharaoh is that he's trying to tell you something and you're trying to turn away from it. For others, you're right where Moses is. God's calling you to do something, but that anxiety, that stress of, I, I can't do this. I, I can't do all these things that God's asking me to do. Like what? What can I do? I I don't speak very well. I don't make friends very easy. I can't do these things. If that's where you are, I really want you to key in as we all look at in Exodus 7, God's response to Moses. Verse 1, then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you. And your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of this country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And although I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt with mighty acts of judgment. I will bring out my divisions, the Israelites. And the, Egypt, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt And bring the Israelites out of it. God's response when we think, oh, this big thing, like I I can't do that. God's saying, you're right. It's not really about you. It's not what about you can do. It's not about your strength, your ability to do these things. It's about God's ability. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God is telling Moses a long time ago, I can do this through you. 
And for us in the new covenant with Christ, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But there's an important piece. In all these plagues we've been talking about, there was a first step of obedience. In that first uh, plague of the blood, the Lord said to Moses, take your, uh, to tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch your hand out over the waters. Turn these waters into blood. And we can think to ourselves, I can't do that. I can't turn this river into blood. But all God is asking us to do is to stretch out our hand. A small act of obedience so that God can work through us for his will to do his miracles using his strength. All he's asking is for a small step of faith. A small step of obedience. Sometimes we don't think it's a small step. Sometimes we can think that what God's asking us to do, we're like, I know God's trying to ask me to be obedient. He wants me to be faithful. But what he's asking me to do is it's huge. But if we look at things a little differently, try and look at things from God's perspective, and think about the big picture, he's going to do the rest. He's going to bring all 10 of these plagues All he's asking us to do is a small part. Even though we think it's this big thing, in the grand scheme, it's just a small part. I've been asking a lot of rhetorical questions. I'll ask another one. Does age matter? When God's asking you to be obedient, does your age matter? Oh, I'm too young to do those things. Someone else would do that. In this story, Exodus 7 Six and seven. It tells us about Moses and Aaron. They did just as the Lord commanded. And Moses was 80 years old. And Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. I'm not saying any of you are 80 years old. Probably Caleb is 80 years old. But (laughs) not saying that's where you are. But what this story is telling us is that your age doesn't matter. Just because you're too young. Your circumstance doesn't matter. Where you find yourself. Your circumstance could be your age. Your circumstance could be something else. What your excuse that you come up with in your head of why you can't be obedient to what God's telling you to do. Doesn't matter. Small step of obedience. So that God can do amazing things. To trust God. To make him Lord of your life. To trust him is to be obedient to what he says. In the New Testament, in 1 Peter, it's recorded like this in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Before you were a Christian, before you made God the Lord of your life, you acted and did things a little differently. But now that Christ is in you, there's been a transformation. That now he's calling you to be obedient so that God can work those things through you. Your salvation in Christ makes you God's chosen people. God made a promise a long time ago to his chosen people. And he was asking obedience to carry through with that promise. And we with Christ in our hearts are his chosen people now. 
continues like this. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. Christ is calling you to obedience. We're transformed in him to reflect him, to have a Christ-like obedience. Christ was definitely obedient. He died on a cross because that's what God asked him to do. Scripture records, he asked God to take this from me. But ultimately, he was obedient. God's asking us to follow his example and do a small step. To trust God. To be obedient to what he says. I want you to think about what God's calling you to do. I want you to think about, are you in this season of missing his signs? Turning away from him because you're uncomfortable? Are you in a season of thinking that you're not enough for God to use you? Whatever your excuse is, to not be obedient. I want you to think about that. Give that to God tonight as I pray. Bow your heads with me. God, thank you so much for all that you've done. You show us throughout history how you're always there for us, how you always fulfill your promises. Dear God, tonight, my prayer is that everyone here can grow to know you better, grow to live a more Christ-like life, so that we can rejoice in all that you're doing. Dear God, I pray that this moment can be one we dedicate for you and remember all that you've done so that we can take our small steps of faith and let you lead. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.